been good. That's good. Let's bow together. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just ask for your presence here this morning. I pray especially for my brother Mike as he shares with us what you've laid on his heart. But Lord, also just anoint our ears. Help us to Mm. bring into our very being your words that are shared. And Lord, any thought that you want to challenge us and change us, I pray that you would do that, Lord. So we just commit this hour into your hand, Lord, and pray that you would use it for your glory, for the building of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you'd send each one away with a blessing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you, Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Good to be here. It's been a blessing being here so far. I've like I mentioned before, I've been intrigued in, for years about that passage there in Matthew 15 there and, and just the humility that that woman had and uh, the tenacity, I guess. And I appreciated your word. It really convicted me as far as this woman was going to intercede until... She broke through and got the answer for her her child, her daughter. Thought, wow, I, I need to hear that. Because um, I've got some children that that need <laughs> need dad to intervene and be that that tenacious and persistent. Be like that widow that's bugging the the unjust judge. And continues to go and go and go and go and go until the answer was brought forth. That was good. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> well, this morning, I'm going to start off a little bit different here. But you'll see where I'm going, and may God help me as I uh, lay forth our challenge here. Um, I was born in 1960. And as most of you know, the 60s were known as a decade of a lot of turmoil and uh, unrest, lack of peace. It was, uh, I, there's a lot I don't remember about it because I was very young. But there are some things that I do remember about it. Um, but it, it was a time overall the Vietnam War was going hot and heavy and there was a lot of protests and things going on about that and there was uh, oh my there was, JFK was assassinated in 1963 I don't remember that but that, that happened his brother, Robert F. Kennedy, when he was running for president in 1960, I do remember this, he was assassinated. He would have been president. He would have won if he hadn't been assassinated. But, you know, things changed. Richard Nixon ended up being the president then. And, and uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. I mean, all this was going on. Big name figures, influential people, influential families, good or bad. The Kennedys didn't have a good influence on America, but they had an influence. And uh, but a lot of that was going on, and then there was just the the music that took over 
in the in the counterculture there uh, was was uh, it's quite amazing, and uh, the immorality that just began to run rampant uh, as uh, the early baby boomers. The baby boomers were that era was from 1946 to 1964. It makes me a baby boomer. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know if that's a good thing to identify with or not. I can't change it. That's what the, the world has labeled me as, so it is what it is. But, um, but yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was bad. It was, there was a lot of sin that was taking place. You know, if you've heard of events called... Uh, uh, places of like Haight Ashbury in San Francisco, and uh, the huge three or four day concert in New York called Woodstock. Uh, it was terrible, and uh, I didn't go. I was only I think about nine years old then, and I lived out in Madras, Oregon, on a farm. You know, I didn't know what's going on, but I remember hearing about it and then uh, reading stories about it, of what took place there. It was awful. And uh, but this was the '60s, and there was uh, in, in regarding some of the music which so defined much of that era. <clears throat> there was a group, as you know, called the Beatles. And to give you an idea of what kind of direction music went for, they started off singing songs in the early '60s about "I want to hold your hand" to. Uh, blatantly singing about shooting up heroin and cocaine before they finally broke up in 1970. And uh, sadly, I used to listen to some of their later stuff. And I can tell you, I don't recommend you listen to it, but if you, if you ever did, it would not have been that difficult to see these guys were high on drugs when they were writing this music. It was weird. It was just strange. Um, it wasn't, you know, vile like the rap stuff that, that, you know, which sometimes you can't get away with. You're driving in town in the summertime, windows are down, and you hear this stuff playing next to you, and you hear some of the stuff that is. It's like, man, turn that off, please. But it wasn't, it wasn't quite like that, but it was just strange. It was weird. And, but that was kind of a, a picture. Give you an idea of the influence that this group had. I'm going somewhere with this. (laughs) Um, But one of the members of of the Beatles, as some of you know, you've you've heard the name John Lennon. Uh, He was one of the the members and one of the lead singers for the Beatles. He made a very controversial statement in 1966. And I'll just read a little bit of this to you here. More popular than Jesus is part of a remark made by John Lennon of the Beatles in March 1966 interview in which he argued that the public were more infatuated with his band than with Jesus and that Christian faith was declining to the extent that it might be outlasted by rock music. His opinions drew no controversy when originally published in the London newspaper The Evening Standard but drew angry reactions from Christian communities when republished in the United States that July. Lenin's comments incited protests and threats, particularly throughout the U.S. Bible Belt. 
Some radio stations stopped playing Beatles songs. Their records were publicly burned. Press conferences were canceled. And the KKK, or the Ku Klux Klan, picketed concerts. The controversy coincided with the band's 1966 U.S. tour, and Lennon and the Beatles' manager, Brian Epstein, attempted to quell the dispute at a series of press conferences. Lennon apologized and explained that he was not comparing himself to Christ. Which, okay, if you want to give him credit, that he, he, he didn't by making that statement, but he did make a very controversial statement. But this is also a... Uh, a quote by Lenin, someone quoted him as saying, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right, and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Jesus is all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. It's them twisting it that that ruins it for me. John Lennon. This was a man that wrote a song after the Beatles broke up entitled Imagine. Now, we're coming out of this era in which all this turmoil and all these people that really created turmoil. And then these are the ones that start crying, now let's get along, let's have peace, peace, peace. They create all this turmoil, then peace, peace, let's have some peace. Imagine is a song co-written and performed by English musician John Lennon, best-selling single of his solo career. Its lyrics encourage the listener to imagine a world at peace without the barriers of borders or the divisions of religion and nationality and to consider that possi- possibility consider the possibility that the whole humanity would live unattached to material possessions. Here's the lyrics. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. No, and no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. I remember some of the music as we got into also to the 70s. Now, that was the era of what they called disco music, which I absolutely despised, which I, I, think, I guess I thank the Lord for. Um, but there was also music as you got into the 70s, that was kind of a cry for peace. But coming out of the 60s, and people are saying, man, this is too crazy, too wild. Can't we just have some peace? And I remember one, one singer uh, that had a song with a line, just, I'm tired of this competition, just give me some peace. About 30 years later, that guy committed suicide. He never found peace, obviously. He also had a song in which he sang a a line that, uh, I've got to keep on chasing this dream, but I may never find it. That's sad, but that's what it was. The fruit of coming out of that. The hippie culture did kind of wane somewhat to some degree, 
Um, but there was still this search for peace. The Vietnam War finally ended in 1975. I remember that. I remember some of the refugees coming over. They were bringing refugees from Vietnam over, trying to assimilate them into the American culture. And uh, one man, young man in particular, I remember they brought him to my hometown of Madras there. They put him to work in one of the local grocery stores there. And he was one of the boxer boys. And it used to be that, uh, some of you may be old enough to remember this, that you went to the grocery store you bought your groceries, they bagged it all up for you, and someone went to your car. It was not an option. They went to your car to help you put your groceries away. That's, that's the way it was. You, you don't see that nowadays. It used to be that way. And they, they hired this young man to do this. I just remember that. But, you know, just trying to, society trying to grab a hold of something that's more peaceful than what the 60s were. But, they weren't really looking in the right place. One very significant event that happened in the 1960s, 1962. There was a lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court. June 25th, 1962, the United States Supreme Court decided in Engel versus Vital that a prayer approved by the New York Board of Regents for use in schools violated the First Amendment because it represented an establishment of religion. In 1963, in Abington School District versus Shemp, the court decided against Bible readings in public schools along the same lines. Since 1963, academic achievement has plummeted, including SAT scores, increased rate of out-of-wedlock births, increase of illegal drug use, increase in juvenile crime, deterioration of school behavior. can all be pointed back to a time when the public schools, in my words, pushed God out and said, we don't want you anymore. And there's the fruit. And you tell me, was there peace in all of that, I don't think so. Okay. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And that's where I'm kind of going here. Everybody <clears throat> wants and desires peace. Is that fair to say? We like it when things are peaceful. When in here, there's peace. I do. You do too. That, that's a part of human nature. We want to have peace, you know, and so people search for it. But the, the problem is, is that it's also human nature to want to try and find that peace on a person's own terms instead of God's. And God won't see it that way. If you want to find God's peace and have peace be a fruit of your life, you have to find God's peace on God's terms. That's it. And if you say, well, I don't like that, Brother Mike, well, don't take it up with me. Take it up with him. 
you're going to lose the argument. A lot of people, that's what they want. That's what they desire. Can't blame them. Jesus said that people will be crying, peace, peace. We hear that a lot. We've been hearing it a lot for a lot of years. Hasn't happened, has it? This world is still full of turmoil. But still the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And so, simple point, simple question that I have for us to examine our hearts today in regards to the question of do I have peace in here? Or do I have fear? Unrest? Apprehension? Most all of us are going to have some level of both. And you find, as most all of you have probably found, that as you walk with Christ day by day, month by month, year by year, He's going to touch those areas in our hearts where there is fear and disbelief, unbelief. And He's going to want to replace it with faith And when that happens, there's more fruit of the Spirit. Because there's more of Him inside of us and less of us inside of us. And there's the fruit of the Spirit comes out, which one of them is peace. And people can look at our lives, hopefully, and say, you get around that person and there's there's just a a peace about them. It's beautiful. You can't describe it. And you can't. It's the peace of God. The peace that that passes understanding. It's beautiful. Sometimes you've been to somebody's house, I'm sure, where you walk in and you just why wow, there's just a peace that just abides right here. It's beautiful. There's been a few times where the Lord's given me a few experiences. I, one time I remember uh, in Cheyenne, we used to have uh, we used to have Saturday night prayer meetings at the Dave Hosteller house. And he had a good-sized basement. Our church was small enough at that point. We could all fit. It was a pretty good-sized circle, but we could all fit in their basement. And we'd have prayer meeting there Saturday Saturday night. Yes, Saturday night. Whoa, brother, how'd you guys do it? We just did it. Denny came one time. We got done with our prayer meeting on Saturday night. He looked at me and says, you do this every Saturday night? I said, yeah. It's a blessed time. I miss it. But nevertheless, there was one time. They, they had a... Dave is kind of a tall man. He liked a lot of space. And so he dug his basement in. The, he built his own house. He dug his basement deep. The, the basement walls were pretty tall. And so the stair... Well, going down into their basement was kind of long. And one time, I was going... Uh, to prayer meeting on Saturday night there, and I was running behind a little bit, getting there kind of late. And I got in. I just I just walked in the house. Everybody was downstairs, you know. And so I just walked in, and I could hear they they were started singing already to open up their prayer meeting. And I got to the top of the stairwell, and I looked down, and I saw uh, Quila Schneider at at the base of the just at the floor, just walking down with her daughter Ashley going down. And it's just one of those times where the Lord just wanted to speak to me. 
And I can't explain how. You say, how, how do you explain these things? I, I, you can't. There's no words. You can't describe God's presence. But I, there was like the power of God and the peace of God was funneled through that walkway, that stairwell that came up. And it just kind of just, whoom, just kind of hit me like that. And God was just letting me know, I'm right down there, son. It was unbelievable. The people were singing. God was there and he just wanted to give me, for some reason, a little glimpse of his presence. Man, I'll never forget that. Same same house. Oh, a couple years later, the hostetler's son Jesse was on his deathbed. He died at home there. He had brain cancer. And he was 10 years old when he died. 10, 11, 11 maybe. And uh, went over one night during that last month that he was alive there and, and uh, there was some family from church that had come over and had brought their harps and they were just playing their harps in Jesse's bedroom. In the bedroom, it was kind of full of people. Jesse was in there. He was pretty much out of it by then. And uh, I came over and I walked in and came over and I, and I saw Dave in the bedroom there and Jesse on the bed and there was there was a harp playing. And, and it was another similar thing there. I... I I came in, I looked in that room, and it was just, God was there. And it made me cry. I walked away, I said, there's angels in that room, I can, I can feel them. It was just God's presence, that power, and that peace. It's beautiful. I think He does that on purpose sometimes, just to give us a little glimpse of this is, see, you just wait. When you get to come be with me. This is what it's going to be like. Man. Let's go right now. I'm ready to go home. Let's go. It's beautiful. So the Lord has granted me a few things like that. I'm, I trust He's done the same for you. If He hasn't yet, I hope pray that He does, and I trust that He will give you a glimpse of His presence someplace, somewhere, somehow. Peace with God. Do you have peace or do you have fear? You have peace inside. You are, are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with others? If you're not at peace with others, that's an indicator that you're not at peace with God. Well, could be, could be. Um, there are times when you can do everything that you know to do to make things right with someone, and they just will not forgive or be at peace with you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And so it's a, it's a point where you can be at peace with your, in your heart towards God and towards that person. There's no animosity. There's nothing there. And it's just not going to flow the other way. That's going to happen sometimes. So I say that with a little asterisk. Uh, that, 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 that will happen at times. It's happened to me a few times. But I want to give a little definition of peace. Brother Jeremy... I believe it was talked about some tools you can use. And one of them, when you're preaching, one of them is just a Webster's Dictionary. And, and so that's where I went. Definition of peace, Webster's Dic- Dictionary. A state of tranquility or quiet. Freedom from civil disturbance. Peace and order were finally restored in the town. 
a state of security or order within a community provided by law or custom, a breach of the peace. But the main one is that first one, a state of tranquility or quiet. State. And God's looking for that state of tranquility or quiet being in here. Now, hey, I like it when the state of things out here are tranquility and quiet too. But the test, I, I like that. I won't deny that. Who doesn't? The, where the test and the rubber meets the road there is, are you tranquil and quiet in here when it's not tranquil and quiet out there? And that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where, when you are at peace here, people can see this. The fruit of your life. Peace. People see Christ inside of you. I remember one time years ago when I was a new Christian. I worked with a young man. His name was Russell. He was a couple years younger than I was in school. But we knew each other. And unfortunately we partied together at times. Before I got born again. But we worked together one summer. After I'd been to school for a couple, to college for a couple years, he had just graduated from high school. I had just gotten born again earlier that year, and uh, I wanted to make it a point to tell him this. You know, I was working with him, and uh, I wanted to make it a point to tell him I'd given my life to Christ, and um, I'm not the same person that I was before. And praise the Lord, I wasn't. God had done that work. And, uh, but the summer went on and on and on, and, and I was just wondering and pondering and kind of, kind of fussing in my heart a little bit about, you know, Lord, am I, is he seeing anything? Is Russell seeing anything in me that's different? You know, I just wondered, you know. And, and then one day, just out of the blue, late in the summer, he just, he just made a little comment, and then it was, it was done. He said, nothing bothers you. And I thought, oh, Thank you, Lord. He's seen a little bit of Jesus in me anyway. And that was the Lord just... Sometimes God knows we need a pat on the back now and then. We, we do. Okay? And that was one for me at that time. Just to let me know, Mike. Okay? He's seen more of me in you than you realize. It's okay. Be at peace. Okay? In here. Okay. Lord, thank you. But it was a deal where he got to see Christ in peace inside of here when things were not necessarily peaceful out here. That's a crucial test for each and every one of us. Will people out there see peace in here when there's no peace out here? God help us. <clears throat> At the same time, definition of fear. Uh, that's where my mind went. What's... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Correct me. But I think of peace, I think of the opposite is fear or a lack of peace, unrest. Fear, an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Anxious concern. Another, you know, we talk about the fear of God. This is a different definition. Profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. Well, that's a different fear. 
I'm talking about the fear that we have inside that makes us afraid, unrestful, unpeaceful. An unpleasant or strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. We don't like danger. I don't like danger. I like warnings. I like the warning signs that say, danger, look out for this, or look out for that, or be careful with this. Um, because I don't like danger. <clears throat> there are a few things that I confess I'm afraid of. I... Well, that word fear in the Greek, it, it, it's phobos, which I think, okay, that's got to be the word where phobia comes from. Some people have different kinds of phobias. Afraid of this. I would probably classify myself as claustrophobic. When I think of these adventurous people that climb through these caves that are this big like this and they get their head stuck in the sand and you can't move your head I think man that just the very thought of that just makes me shiver I don't want that doesn't sound like fun to me at all why would you want to do that you know and yet some people thrive on it. I'm not afraid of it okay fine not me and I think well you know should I mean if I ever got caught in a situation like that should I not be afraid should I trust that God's with me yes he is even though those little tight spaces there but why put yourself in that situation in the first place though I mean um, so I'm just confessing you know that would be a fear that I would have that I wouldn't you know a situation where I things are not at peace out here but they're also not at peace in here uh, so uh, but we all have that that's why I say you know as we walk with Christ he's going to want to take mainly fear of man out of us and replace it with fear, reverence, and love and awe for him. And again, that's where people see more of him in us and less of us in us. But do you have peace or do you have fear? What drives you? Turn with me to John chapter 14. John 14. Oh, I forgot to tell you. For some of you that don't know. John Lennon was murdered in 1980. I think at the age of 40, he died young by a so-called born-again believer. I don't think so. The guy called himself that. But it was someone that was offended at his statement some 14 years earlier at being the, at the Beatles being more popular than Jesus. I don't condone that. God would have Loved to have saved John Lennon before he died. But at the same time, we've got to be careful what we say and what we do. Uh, we will give an answer. <clears throat> okay, enough of that. John 14, verse 37. Okay. 
No, no, no. Wrong. 27. I apologize. There is no 37. Beautiful verse here. You know it. Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before I come to pass, that when it has come to pass, you might believe. Peace I leave with you. My peace, God's peace, He gives unto us. And He doesn't give like the world gives. You say, well, how does the world give? Well, it's, it's with strings attached. God just gives. He gave His only begotten Son. Paid the price so that we could have this peace. So that we could be at peace with God. We were not before. We needed someone to pay that ransom. To pay the price. To pay the debt. Because we could never pay it. Trying to pay it. It would take eternity to pay it. It can't be done. God himself had to pay it. Thank the Lord he did. So that we could have peace. So that God could say to us, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. God says that. Unto you. Unto you. I love that. Do you have peace or do you have fear? His his response to that statement, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Then he says, So, basically, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. I'm giving you, my God is saying, He's giving us His peace. Where is there room for fear of anything? There isn't. So if there is, okay, remember, it's not His fault. That's where we got to search our hearts and say, okay, Lord, this has got me upset. This has got me in turmoil. Whatever it is. What someone did to me. What someone said to me. How someone acted to me. Whatever. Lord, help me. It's not tranquil and quiet out here. I know you're calling me to be tranquil and quiet in here still. Help me. That peace can be a fruit of my life, a fruit of the Spirit. Go over now to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, another very familiar passage. I know you know it, but it's very beautiful. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 15. No, 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 I'm sorry. Well, that's fine. Verse 15 is fine. 
First John 4. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And get this now. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I'll stop right there. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Key, key statement here. He says, we have known and believed the love that God hath toward us. Man, if there's anything that I'd want you to grab a hold of and just hold on to that truth is to know and believe that Jesus the King loves you. It's, I've said it this way before. We hear the statement, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me this I know. Jesus loves you. Yes. People can say, yeah, I know that. But I don't think there's very many that really, really, really get it and understand it to the point that it totally transforms their lives. God loves me. I think about that rightly. I want to ask, why? Because He's God. And he is love. It's not because I'm lovely. That's for sure. It's profound. You've got to get that. When you get that. You begin to get perfected in love. And there's no room for fear. There's lots of room for peace. You understand? And the devil will do everything he can to get you to question, to doubt, to wonder. Because he knows that if you get that, he knows you'll be transformed into the image of Christ. And you'll become a greater threat to his agenda. So get that. Let God perfect you in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Fear hath torment. I wrote that down. Torment, punishment, torment, fear. To be put in fear, alarm or fright. Phobos, that's, that's where that word is. So God, help us. Search your heart a little bit. Lord, what's in here? Am I afraid? Am I afraid of of people? Of what they might think? 
of what they might think of me, what they might say. Friend, God wants to, to deliver you from that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now, I say that as someone that, you know, I'm a human being. I still struggle with that sometimes. But I remember going through a time where uh, my reputation got unjustly, I can say that with a clear conscience, unjustly trashed. You're tearing this church up. What are you doing? Trying to guide and lead according to God's word, and because I love, I love the people, and I could honestly say I loved everybody. <coughs> and God's test for me was, okay, things are not tranquil and quiet out here. How are you in here? That was tough. I didn't like it. But it was good for me. Showed me where I desired the honor and fear of man. That's another fear that's going to be cast out, is that desire and that longing to be accepted. The fear of man. Different kind of fear, but it's still a fear. And to be set free from that is necessary as well. Um, okay, one more passage I forgot. Uh, I kind of messed up a little bit. John, I believe it's chapter 7. Here's a good example of what not to do. Don't have too many notes that are scattered here, there, and everywhere. So bear with me here. Yeah. John 7, 37. That's where I got mixed up with John 14. John 7, 37. Let me ask you this first. Silly question. How many of you enjoy sometimes just going down to a quiet place right by a river, right on the shore, and just sitting down and just enjoying the peace, the quiet? I I like doing that. There's something peaceful about a river isn't there I think God designed it that way on purpose because we've got examples of rivers in scripture and at the very end of Revelation there it talks about the river of life proceeding out of the throne of God a river I think I think God did that on purpose. There's just something serene and tranquil and peaceful about being by a river. I like that. The big ones make you feel very small. The little ones with the 
you know, trickling over the rocks and that thing. There's just something peaceful about them that you can just sit down and just kind of just let your concerns go to the wayside for a little while. <clears throat> well, Jesus has something to say about those that would be full of the Spirit. You know this verse too. John seven thirty seven. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, but that Jesus was not because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so this was going to be, Jesus was kind of foretelling, this is going to be one of the fruits of those that have the Spirit of God within them. Rivers of living water. Rivers. Not just one, rivers. That right there is kind of amazing to me. Of living water. Again, Oh, that people could, the testimony of our lives, no matter what our personality is, that people could interact and have fellowship and communion and walk away and say, boy, that that was encouraging. That just filled a thirst that I had in my heart and my soul right there. Uh, That's not accident. Okay, that's, that's not a coincidence that... That that happens to people when they fellowship with those that are walking in the Spirit, that are full of the Spirit of God. There's peace and there's rivers. There's living water coming out of that person. That's Christ Himself. That's someone that has gotten self out of the way so that the Spirit of God can come down from heaven, flow through that one and onto other people and minister to other people. That's God's way. It's quite amazing. But it's His way. And those that have found that are the ones that their life bears much fruit. They've learned that it's worthwhile to lay down their will. To lay down their life. And just let the Spirit of God just dwell in them fully. When He does that, it overflows and it spills onto other people. When that happens in a church body <clears throat> to its fullest, you got a people that are just plain full, overflowing, and it's going to spill out even further than just right the confines of these four walls right here. You can't help it. It will go out. That is also God's desire, God's plan. God's design. We come together. We get filled. We let the rivers just flow back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Man, that's good good water at church I got today. Man, I'm full. It spills out when you leave. Go home. God, let it be that way. Okay. Rivers of living water. Uh, You know of Philippians 4. Verses 6 and 7. We'll go there real quickly. Another verse you've read over and over and over again, I know. 
But it, it talks about prayer and laying and, and, and not being fearful or careful or anxious is the definition of that word careful. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious or careful for nothing. Nothing. Okay, don't let all the unrest and the lack of tranquility and quietness out there. Don't get anxious about any of it. None of it, he's saying. That's a lot. That's all of it. None of it. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, key, let your requests be made known to God. You do that, and he says, in the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, you can't figure out the peace of God. People that are exceedingly intelligent and smart and have to feel like they have to figure everything out, I almost feel sorry for them. Because they're never going to figure God out. Nobody can. You know what I'm talking about. I, I, I almost feel bad for them. They, you know, because God's not going to be figured out. When you figure out that you can't figure things out, then things start to get figured out. Right? The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds. That word keep, it means to be a watcher in advance, to, to mount a guard, to keep with a garrison. It's like a military guard. It's like God's angels, the military of God, if you will, will come and guard your heart with the peace of God. Well, that sounds appealing to me. Praise the Lord. I want to share a few little stories here. As we ponder, you know, do I have peace or do I have fear? That's the simple question of my message, I guess, and just encourage us to search our hearts and ask the Lord to show us where, where I do have fear, where He wants to change me, where He wants to challenge me and renew me. When I was in high school, <clears throat> yes, I know, 1962, prayer and Bible reading was banned from the public schools. Well, I went to the public school. There was still, there were still some things going on. I don't, I don't, in the public schools now. I remember being in seventh grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, an evangelist. Uh, what was his name? Willie, Willie Murphy. That sound right? can't remember what his last name was he came and he sang and he preached at our at our junior high school seventh and eighth graders whoa he say it wouldn't happen now no it probably wouldn't they'd throw him in jail for doing something like that but back in 1973 you know they could get away with it now and then and uh but this was that wasn't what i was going to share with you. this something different this was about 1975 when i was in high school they brought in, and I, I don't know why they did this. Uh, they wanted to bring in a, a POW, a prisoner of war, Vietnam prisoner of war. His name was uh, Commander Coffee. His last name was Coffee. Don't remember his first name. His last name was Coffee, and uh, <clears throat> he shared his story while he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for seven years. Seven years he was in prison. 
And uh, he talked about his experiences there, and, and uh, he finally got to this point where he says, there's only one way anybody could ever make it. And I remember, I'll never forget the phrase he used. He says, and you've guessed it. You know what it is. It's God. He was a, he was a pilot. Now, again, we can go there and say, in the military, Christian in the military, I, that's another discussion. We don't need to go there right now. I, I don't question this guy's faith in the story that he shared. They were in solitary confinement cells. And this, this really was, the, the walls were wood. They were big enough and strong that nobody could get out. But he talked about <clears throat> how the prisoners had developed a language of knocking on the walls. They figured out a whole alphabet, and they could go bang, bing, 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 just like that. And he said every Sunday they would tap out a church service. They'd go around the whole prison. One guy would get it. He'd he'd tap it out. The next guy would get it. He'd tap it on to the next guy, and to the next guy, and to the next guy. Unbelievable. He said they developed <laughs> a language through different types of coughing. They would cough in different ways. And they could understand each other. And he said the Vietnamese, they'd try to figure it out. You know, they'd listen and listen and, and, and the tapping. Now, they, he said they'd have their pencil. They tried to, he said we'd go so fast they never could figure it out. I'll never forget this. And uh, he said, the day he got released, he was walking out of the prison. There was another guy, a pilot, that got shot down. It was in, up in an upper cell, coughing a message out the window about how the Miami Dolphins had won the Super Bowl the day that he got shot down. And this guy had been in prison for seven years. His question was, what's the Super Bowl? He didn't know what it was. It hadn't started yet. He didn't know what it was. But, uh, but I'll never forget this man, unashamedly, is sharing his faith of how God was the one that, my paraphrase here, was able to keep him at peace in this circumstance. Seven years. That's a long time. And he shared that, his faith, I, I remember. Undaunted. It's beautiful. That was at a point in my life where I'd kind of made a sort of a half commitment to Jesus about two or three years earlier, two years earlier. God was still there, you know. I'd go to church occasionally with my mom, but it was one of the things. I guess you could say that was one of the things that God put across my path to prepare me even four years later, four or five years later, before I got saved. But what an example of, of, of how God can take exceedingly non-tranquil and unquiet, if that's a word, circumstances out there and keep one tranquil and quiet in here. 
Because he looks to him and not out here. Here just uh, a few weeks ago, <clears throat> you know, we had uh, some of our granddaughters stay with us for a few weeks while my son and his wife uh, took a trip over to England. And, <clears throat> of course, one of the things they wanted to do is they wanted to get in the boat, go on a boat ride, take, have Sam and I take them on a boat ride in the creek behind our house there. So... So we did that, and uh, I was a little nervous. Sam's better at guiding the boat than I am, so I said, would you come with me this time? And so on the first time around, he, he came with us, took us down a ways, and turned around, came back. And we went down a certain distance, and as we were turning around, I heard this ruckus and this noise, and here comes this goose come flying out, got disturbed. Okay, his, it wasn't tranquil out here for him. Okay, we were there, the evil force that he was afraid of. A lot of times, there's a lesson right there, too. A lot of times, things we're afraid of, we really don't need to be that afraid of. But anyway, here comes this goose, and he came flying up, <laughs> right smack over the top of us. I thought, oh, look out, he's going to drop a bomb on us for sure. <laughs> he didn't. Thank the Lord he didn't. But he was upset, so he flew away. He flew. He was he was afraid. It's kind of, we were too there for a little bit there. But we saw him fly away on down upstream there, and so we went on back home and took the next two girls on the next one. Well, on the next one, we got going down. Sam's stayed on shore, and Grandpa's he's got him going there, you know. And, and uh, man, it was unbelievable. Bald eagle comes flying over the top of us this time. Lands on a on a branch just right across from our neighbor's house, which, which is right next to ours. It's real close there. And, of course, that got my attention. I, I stopped and looked up and said, whoa, look at this. So I turned, I turned the boat around and said, we're going to see how close we can get to him. Right up underneath it. He's just sitting there just looking around. He's not bothered by a thing. He looked at us and kind of, I figured, well, I don't need to be afraid. I'm okay right here. Everything's fine. We went on for a little ride, came back. He's still there. So I called Sam. I said, Sam, you got to come see this. So we got, we went ashore. I took him ashore. Got the girls dropped off. Sam and I got in the boat. He got his camera. Got some, he's still there. Then a few days later, he came back again. And we're, of course, we're kind of wondering. And, and my son, Jeff, and he was up and did the same thing. And I thought, you know, what a contrast. Someone that gets afraid. Fly the coop, so to speak, and fly away. Fly away from that safe ground that goose had. But the eagle... He lives up high. You can see. By faith. Can we live up high and see? And look at everything around us and say, you know, it's okay. My God is with me. And I know the love He has for me. 
And I believe in the love that he has for me. And I know that nothing can ever take that away from me. I've got great and precious promises. Why should I be afraid? That was beautiful. That was neat. You've heard me talk about a few times my grandmother. One more story. When she died, how she was more than ready to go, and her heart had stopped in the hospital there, and they took the electrodes and they zapped her and brought her back to life. And during that time is when she saw, you know, my my grandparents on the other side of the river smiling, waiting for her. And so she, the doctors brought her back, and she got mad at the doctors. Don't you do that to me again. She was ready to go. I I know I've shared that with you before. But something I don't think I've shared with you before that I I, I just thought about just this morning was while she was on her deathbed. She was pretty much out of it. Old Pastor Penhollow. Was his name? Pastor Penhollow. I don't remember his first name. Remember the Penhollow, Penhollows, the name there in Central Oregon, Pal Butte area between Prineville and in Redmond. He was the, he was an old man then. I've, he's gone on to be with the Lord many years ago, I'm sure. But he shared at my grandmother's funeral. There was a graveside service there, and he was just sharing, you know, humbly how he was right there beside my my grandma as she was about to take her last breath and not sure what to say, how to minister, what to do, and trying to fumble his way through some words of comfort and that kind of thing. And he said there was, at that point, a doctor walked up to him. Dr. Cross was his name. I thought that's interesting. Dr. Cross delivered two of my children. He said, Dr. Cross... came up and just started reading the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He quoted that. You know, I mentioned early on here that We only find God's peace on His terms. And the terms are that we have to lay down our will, our life, our heart, our dreams, our hopes, desires, and just look up to Him and say, Lord, I I don't have much. This is who I am. This is what I am. But I just want to offer myself up to You. Oh, he gladly takes every sacrifice like that. 
and he replaces it with beauty. And one of the one of the beautiful things he does is place that peace, his peace, that he gives, not like the world gives, into that person. To the point where anything can happen outside. It can be very much full of turmoil out here. But it's okay. Because I know my God and I know the love that He has for me. I'm tranquil and peaceful in here. People will see that. That's someone that's full of the Spirit of God. And that's the fruit of the Spirit coming out of them. The fruit of peace. May God help us all to have a faith and a trust in Him. Truly, that that, that, that is what they see. I, I know it will be worth it. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thanks for letting me share.